James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And um, it's such a joy to be able to uh, see all of you um, on this Sunday morning to unpack the Word of God together, to learn what the Holy Spirit will be teaching us today. And um, of course, I'm glad to be here for another reason. Um, just like Chuck was praying about, um, Pastor John will be here next Sunday, but he would not be our pastor next Sunday. Um, he will be a guest preacher here next Sunday. And it will be his last time as a guest preacher. <laughs> because after next Sunday, he cannot be a guest preacher here anymore. He will be a pastor here. <laughs> but then the interesting thing is um, somehow um, the EMT has invited him to come and preach for us in February before they knew that he was going to be our pastor and before he knew that he was going to be our pastor. So uh, we thank God for that and uh, we look forward to a very exciting time of ministry uh, together uh, with him and um, of course, we, we also pray that uh, you will be working very closely together with him. And another reason why I'm so glad to be here is I just finished uh, preaching in the Mandarin service uh, earlier on and then come up here to preach um, another sermon in another language with another congregation. So. Um, it's so thrilling and so exciting to be able to serve together with you. Let's pray again. Father God, we thank you for all the great things that you have done in our lives and in the life of EFC. We thank you that we can gather together again this morning to worship you, to have fellowship with you and with one another, and especially to learn from your word. We know that your word gives us life, gives us perspectives, and we ask that the Holy Spirit will continue to teach us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Today we continue on with the book of James, which we started、um, the first Sunday of January this year. And、um, of course,、uh, we were saying that、uh, the book of James has a very important theme, very practical, teaching us to be authentic Christians and disciples of Jesus Christ, which is also the theme for the whole church this year in 2020. Becoming authentic disciples of Jesus Christ. What it what does it mean to be authentic? And、um, so the topic that I give to today's message is faith alive. Faith has to be alive. Faith cannot be dead because that's what James said.、Uh, faith cannot be dead. Sometimes we、uh, take our faith to a cemetery. We throw our faith into a grave. We bury our faith, and then we set up a tombstone there, and the tombstone say, "My faith." So that's what we always do.、Um, you probably heard of a book that's entitled "The Pilgrim's Progress," which has also been made into a, a, a film. It was written by an Englishman called John Bunyan in、uh, um, around 1670. And、um, it has become one of the most significant writings in English literature, not just religious literature. And、um, there are many interesting characters in this book. One of the characters is called Talkative.、Right? Talkative, of course, he talks a lot. But he not only talks a lot. Talk,、uh, talkative was described in this way: he talks a prayer of repentance of the new birth. And of faith, but he knows only very little, except to talk about them. And another character describes him in this book. He said, "I have been in his family, and his house is an em- is is an empty place of religion, as empty and tasteless as the white of an egg." I don't know whether you agree with him.、Um, He is saying that the white of an egg is tasteless,、right? and that's how he describes talkative and his life and his family. And so, when we look at James chapter two to close this chapter, the main thing, of course, that we want to talk about is what James said: Does our talk correspond with our walk? Are there discrepancies between your talk? And your walk. Simply put, when I preached、um, the first、uh, chapter of James、uh, three weeks ago, we don't like to be called hypocrites. We want to be genuine. We t- we want to be congruent. But sometimes our words and our deeds may not be totally congruent or consistent. We don't like to be called hypocrites. But then, how do we walk our talk? Right. Of course, that's the million-dollar question. We all know how important how, how important it is to walk our talk, to be congruent, to be genuine, and and all these things.、Um, it's especially important these days because. This world is a very skeptical world. This world, as we said last time, is a post-Christian world, post-Christian, and sometimes even post-truth. 
Some people don't care whether it's the truth or not. They don't care about finding the truth. It's about how I feel. In the Australian census, there is this box, if you're aware of it, um, that talks about your religion. And we call these people the nuns, not the Catholic nuns. The nuns as in N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. The nuns means none of the above. Right? You've got Christianity or uh, um, uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, whatever. And then there is always a box and it says none of the above. And these people, we call them the nuns. Right? In America, statistics say that 20% of the population are nuns. What about Australia? The last census in 2016, 29.6% of the population selected no religion, none of the above. 29.6%, which is how many people? Which is 6,933,708 people. It's almost 7 million. And that's almost 30%. One third of our population. Well, to give you a bit more perspective as to how, how, how high that percentage is, in 2011, the census said that there are 2,240,000 people who are nuns. And in five years, that figure has, has jumped 7%. So these are the nuns. And then there are people that we call the duns. Have you heard of the duns? Duns as in D-O-N-E-S, duns. They're done. They're done what? They're done with church. They're done with Christianity. They said they're done with traditional churchianity. I guess you won't find that word in the dictionary. Right? Churchianity. They say this is so traditional. This is not for me. The institutionalized church, they're done with it. And of course there are many reasons and uh, one of the reasons was they have seen too many Christians whose walk does not correspond with their talk. So this is why it is so very important to know that we actually live a Christian life. We actually live according to what the Bible teaches us. We actually live according to what we profess to believe in. Otherwise, there will be more and more nuns and duns. And thank God that, well, all of you sitting here, you're not nuns and you're not duns. And we pray that people around you will come up from their nuns and duns circumstances to discover again Jesus Christ. So faith must be alive because James said faith without correspondent action is dead. We don't want to bury our faith and then set up a tombstone 
and says, this is my faith from, I don't know, 2010 to 2021. I hope that well, next year you won't find your faith buried in that tomb. Alfred Adler is a great psychologist. He's also a medical doctor. He's a, a psychotherapist in the early 20th century. And he coined his theory of psychology, individual psychology, because he believed that each human being is an individual whole. So he says, individual psychology. And he said his whole theory of individual psychology was built on three words, these three words, trust only movement. He's not running a movement. He's not starting a movement as in that science of movement. He's saying that we only believe in your actions. He said, life happens at the level of actions and not words. That's why he said, trust only movements. In other words, he is saying, trust not only words. Trust only movement. And I guess a lot of people would subscribe to these three words. And that's why there are these nuns and duns. And that is why we have to live a congruent and consistent life. What we say here is neither this or that unless what we do is in agreement with what we believe and what we say. You know, some people say we are what we eat. Do you believe that? We are what we eat. But to James, he would say, we are what we do. Faith without action is dead. Years ago, when I was in Hong Kong, I was serving in an organization called Youth for Christ. They've got Youth for Christ here in, in Australia also. And um, in our office, there is a washroom, a toilet. And when you go into the toilet, close the door, and if you sit on the toilet, you would see this. Don't just sit there, do something. Well, of course everyone sits there and do something. <laughs> but that reminder says, don't just talk about it. Do it. Action. We need action. And that's what Christians need. Sometimes we talk too much. We do Bible study, we do a lot of sharing, we have seminars. And, um, you know, I, I realize that sometimes my sermons are a little bit long-winded. And um, I said, well, one of the reasons why I'm long-winded because I preach in all different worship services in AFC and, and I, I take turns to come here and go there and, and then, and then um, that means I only get to preach about once a month or once every six weeks in each congregation. And there's so much to talk about. Well, I, I have to take a little bit more time. But well, the, the thing is, what is your faith like? When I have to preach 
too long. It doesn't mean that I'm teaching you to just talk and not act. Your words and your actions and your behaviors have to be corresponding. So what is your faith like? Sometimes we, people, we see people who are a little bit timid in their faith. Sometimes we feel that our faith is not strong enough. And here's how we should look at our faith. We should just go there and lift it out. When we talk about love, the Bible talks about love. James talks about love. Say, so if you love your family, if you love your parents, if you love your spouse, your kids, your siblings, you definitely would show it in your actions and your behaviors. You cannot love someone without doing anything to serve them, to please them, to protect them, to take care of them. And that is why James said, suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food, if one of you says to them, go in peace, doesn't work. Go. Go in peace. Keep warm and well fed. But does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? And that's what James is teaching us. What good is it? And then that's what James is saying. Intention doesn't count here. Only action does. You got the idea from James? Intention. You may have the best of intentions. You say you may be filled with love inside you, but if that love doesn't overflow into action, it doesn't count. And that is how we Christians have failed so badly in so many ways. And so we've got to thank God that, um, well, we've got a big donation for the Salvation Army last Sunday. Uh, that at least shows our love and our generosity. But then, well, money to you may not really be difficult. You can give $50, $100, just like that, easy. But what else are you willing to give to love? And then James, chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, teaches us what is true Christianity and what is an authentic Christian like. What is true Christianity? What is an authentic Christian like? Here, Verse 24, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a light rain on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So this is what James is saying about being authentic and being an authentic Christian. 
If you claim to be a devout and dedicated Christian, if you worship every Sunday, if you go to every cell group, if you go to every Bible study, the men would go to the men's group and even want to go to the women's group. You're so enthusiastic in taking part in the activities of the church. You will keep yourself from being polluted by the world. That is what James is saying. And then when we come to chapter 4, you will see that a little bit more. James talks about that again in chapter 4. And of course, uh, we have seen that in chapter 1 also. Right? That is how we keep ourselves being, uh, from being polluted by the world. Because James talked about sufferings, trials and temptations. Remember that? And we have to learn to look at these things from an eternal perspective instead of from the views of the world. And if you love your neighbors as yourself, James says once again, you will look after the orphans and widows and of course including other people who are in need. And when you go to chapter 5 of this book of James, James talks about that again in chapter 5. You see, James was pretty organized and systematic. Uh, this is what he is saying about being authentic. Chapter 2, verse 17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Once again, he goes to verse 26. Is the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. That is why faith has to be alive for this important reason. Our faith is a living faith. It shouldn't stay hidden. It shouldn't stay buried in the tomb. If the body has no spirit, of course we know that it's dead. Is your faith alive or dead and don't say well sometimes we see these poses wanted dead or alive but jesus christ doesn't want your faith if that's what you give him he cares about whether it's dead or alive right some people don't care about the criminals um, they they have been killed and they get a bounty dead or alive they don't worry about it they don't care but jesus christ cares whether your faith is dead or alive and he doesn't want to see your faith dead and buried yes faith we know that we want our faith to be alive we know that it's important how can our life how can our faith be kept alive someone said this we are human beings we're not human doings so doings is not the most important thing they said because we are human beings we are beings and our being is more important than our doings well, we we have heard this talk uh, this kind of talk right the psychologists also say this uh, your being is more important than your doing right of course we understand that but ultimately your being determines your doing you are what you eat sometimes we believe in that we are what we do that's important too 
but ultimately you are who Christ is. Your, your, your faith will come alive when you are true to Jesus Christ, when you are true to yourself, and you become true. You know, when, when, when we become true, it doesn't mean that um, I'm taking on a new self. Right? Even though Paul sometimes describes that, he, would, he said we have a new nature, like we put on new clothing, we've got new, uh, a new nature. Right? Uh, um, as long as you are in Christ, you are a new creation. But that new creation doesn't mean that uh, you take on something entirely new. It's not entirely new, it's, some, it's not something foreign to you. Because you were created in the image of God. That, that image is already there. That God's image, you are God's image. That image is already there. And so what we do is, we go back to the image of God. We allow the image of God that is already you, that is inside you, to come out again. And so, in a sense, you're saying that we're going back to the original, the, the prototype, the first. We don't want to use the word old. It's not old because it's always there. It's current. Let the life of Jesus come out in you. Let the image of God show. That's how our faith would become alive and authentic. And so, of course, to do that, our relationship with Christ has to be close. Our walk with Christ has to be close. Our lives have to be connected. Not connected to the internet. But connected to God. Sometimes we've got all these kinds of distractions and connection to the internet is one of the things that distract us. We all know that. We all know that. Whenever you feel that you may have 15 seconds to spare, you get your phone out. And then you start to serve the internet. These distractions help us to cover up our real self, our authentic self, which is Jesus Christ in us. Sometimes we get distracted by these things. And sometimes... Uh, we, we are afraid of looking at ourselves. We're afraid of looking at the mirror and you see someone that is not really very nice, not very kind. Well, not physically, but when you look at yourself, you know that you're not a very nice person. You want to distract yourself. You would want to cover up all these things. But then the consequence is you lost the opportunity to find the real, authentic life that is already in you because you're already in Jesus Christ because the image of God is you because the image of God is inside you. It's always been there. You don't have to seek elsewhere. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, lives inside you. And so we are who Christ is. And that's what Galatians 2 verse 20 says. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus' life is already in you. You only need to open your heart and let the Holy Spirit fill you because that's the Spirit of Christ. You only need to open your heart so that the life of Christ lives out in your life. That's how your faith would become alive. There is this interesting saying, you can't be saved by works, but you can't be saved and not produce works. You know, the book of James has been sort of um, thrown into the rubbish bin by Martin Luther, that great reformer in the 16th century, because he said James was talking up so much about works, deeds, actions, as if we have to gain our salvation by doing good works. But that's not what James is talking about. James, James is only talking about you can't be saved and not produce works. James definitely believes in justification by faith. James definitely is saying that you can't be saved by works. But then he also goes on to say that you can't be saved and not produce works. That's what he is saying. And so finally, to close off, I know that um, you guys are very interested to have reflection questions that you can take home. And, and throughout the week, I hope that you would really uh, uh, contemplate and reflect on them. And so these are the reflection questions that I want you to take home and um, I will close out with this. The first reflection question. As far as you can tell, are you 100% congruent and consistent in your talk in the walk? I don't know how many of us can say that. If not, where would discrepancies show up? And if you have any doubts when answering these questions about, please do the following and record your findings. So it sounds serious. It has to be serious. A. Ask one or two of your trusted friends who can be ruthlessly honest with you. Is it hard to find? Find such a friend or two and share how they may observe such discrepancies in you. Could be very painful. And request them to pray with you and keep you accountable. It may be painful too. But if you're serious about your faith and you really want your faith to be alive, we need other people to be a mirror so that we can see who we really are. Another term in psychology, they describe your really good friends, they say they are the looking glass self. You see yourself through their eyes. So you have to ask them, what do you see in me? Be in silence and solitude, ask for the indwelling Holy Spirit to review such darkness in your life, then confess and ask for your forgiveness. 
from your heavenly Father. Ask the Holy Spirit to renovate your heart, transform your thoughts and actions. And it's important to spend time in silence and in solitude because, like I said, there are so many distractions in this world. There is so much noise in this world. You really have to quiet down your heart. And I'm not talking about just one minute or two minutes. I'm talking about the practice of silence and meditation in solitude. In fact, we all need that, but then we're not taught to do that. And, and, the, and the heartbreaking thing is, um, you know, during the Reformation in the 16th century, they threw out the baby with the bathwater. Because they said, well, these things, as in monasteries and, and meditation, and solitude, uh, these things are done by the Catholic monks and nuns, and we don't have to do that. We don't want anything to do with that. And then tragically, we have lost that art of solitude and silence with the Holy Spirit. And that's really, really what we need to rediscover. And that's what my um, Doctor of Ministry is about contemplation. See, even though you may not have a habit of writing a spiritual journal, still try to write down what the Holy Spirit and your friends have told you so that you may follow through your possible transformation. From time to time, you need to sit down quietly by yourself. Well, the word solitude sometimes scares people. Right? Let's just say, Sit down there by yourself. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Right? Sounds like a lot simpler. You, know? right? you have to do that. Every one of us, we have to do that. From time to time, like, get those recordings out, look through it, pray through it, ask the Holy Spirit to continue to transform you from the inside out. And then, finally, Question two, just two, just two questions, very simple. Question two, how would you describe your daily walk with Christ? Because Christ is there living in you as the Holy Spirit lives in you, and that's how we walk closely daily with Jesus Christ. But then sometimes we just tend to ignore this relationship. We ignore how the Holy Spirit lives inside us, and sometimes reminds us of the truth and shows us how we need to change for the better. So just a very simple question. Your daily walk with Jesus, is it close or is it distant? Well, you can decide for yourself, like for example from 1 to 10, right? you, you, you can do that for yourself. And then, wherever you are on that scale, you may think, I'm pretty close to the Lord already. But then still, how keen are you to improve that? Because it's always room to improve. Very keen or indifferent. You don't have to tell me. Just say it to yourself or tell your very good friends, trusted friends who can be ruthlessly honest with you. I don't know how I came up with that term. And then finally, what are you prepared to do to walk more closely with you? 
something for you to think about, to pray about throughout the week, and hopefully beyond this week. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you once again for that great love of yours. Thank you that you've always loved us and trusted us. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, lives in us. Lord, forgive us. As we have done so much to distract ourselves, as we have done so much to cover up and not allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Lord, today, this is the prayer of each one of us. Lord, I pray that I will walk closely and more closely with you, week by week, day by day, so that I will live a congruent life in order to show the world that we are true. And not just to show others, but also so that in front of our Lord, we can say that we truly believe in you and we are truly disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, I open my life to you once again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.